Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Coaching You in the Word. We're so glad to have you from wherever you're downloading or listening today. We want to welcome you into our study in the Word. We're uh, going to share with you our Sunday evening message from 72422 uh, concerning identifying the foundation of the church. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Always want to remind you, you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel Messaging. Well, we're going to go right into the message today, uh, to the teaching. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back with you at the end of that service. July 24th of 2022, we're glad to have all those of you that are coming on, those of you that will be on, those of you that will listen to us on Lift Him Higher Radio, those of you that will hear us on Mike Springston FFC Podcast, Coaching You in the Word. We're going into part two from this morning's message, Identifying the Foundation of the Church. We're looking forward to sharing that with you. I think there's some information in here that we as members of the body of Christ need to understand. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I ask that you would open our eyes that we could see, our ears that we could hear, and our heart that we could understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then let us apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Father, we yield, surrender, sanctify ourselves. We ask that you would speak to us through the Holy Spirit. We surrender ourselves to that end. We ask the word of God to be ministered in truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our high priest, and our God. Amen and amen. Well, let's look into our scripture. The scripture comes from Matthew chapter 16. Tonight we're going to begin with verse 15. And begin to unpack what happened when Peter gave the revelation. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee. But my Father which is in heaven, and I say unto thee, thou, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now. This morning we saw as Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. And we know that in this he identifies himself as both Jesus and high priest because we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our uh, infirmities, our fleshly, our man, uh, our flesh man infirmities. We saw why the intellectual understanding of him as John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets was insufficient to define who he was or what he could and would do. In order for us to ascertain what the scripture says now, 
We must be able to live in a mind that is renewed so that we're not leaning towards flesh and blood's understanding as our guidepost. Now, because we have lived in an unrenewed mind, we've followed the tide of this world, which is so intellectually oriented that we've tied off the influence of the Holy Spirit, just like Israel did. We're not absent of understanding the prophecies, nor are we unable to relate the moment, what's going on in the moment, to the Scripture. But what we are is that we are unstable in our thought life, just like Israel was in the day of their visitation. Paul said in uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I know what I have believed and in whom I have believed. So hold fast, he said to them, the word, the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Here's what he said. He said, I, I know what I believed. I know in whom I have believed. I hold fast sound words, and I want you to do the same, of which you've learned by living, by faith, in faith, and in the love that comes from Jesus Christ. He will be able by that to keep you because you held fast the truth through the words of soundness. So in order to get to the point where we can cooperate with what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Now, I want to remind you what Paul said here. He said, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Now, in order for us to be able to get to the place where we can cooperate with what God's plan and intention for us, through Jesus Christ, our High Priest, Lord, and God, what his plan was, we must identify correctly and then keep what we have identified by working with and cooperating with the Holy Ghost. The angel said to them in Acts chapter 1, This same Jesus shall come again in like manner. Now I want you to remember that because he said that more or less he was the same one who walked on water. He was the same one who healed the sick and raised the dead. He's the same one who died on the cross and went to the tomb, rose from the dead and is seated as our man in the Godhead and will return to be seen again just as he was seen by them when he left. If we can identify with him correctly, then we can see him correctly. Now watch what he said. Who do you say that I am? I asked this question this morning and I'll ask it again. Whom do you say he is? The answer to this will unveil, get this, the answer to this will unveil your place with regard to spiritual development. It'll unveil your place with regard to your spiritual development. It will unveil your place with regard to having your understanding enlightened 
so that you can come into the wisdom, knowledge, and revelation of Him. What you say about Jesus Christ, the High Priest, the Lord, and the God, and God, is going to reveal your depth of spiritual awareness. It's also going to reveal what you understand about the Word of God. It's going to reveal how you pray. And it's going to reveal how grace and the promises of God that are in Him are not only released to you, but revealed to you. Is it any wonder that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, that I have not seen or heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him? Is it any wonder? Why, Mike? Because we don't identify who He is correctly. Therefore, our spiritual development often is stunted. Is stunted. Hello, Brother Campbell. Is stunted because we don't understand who He is. So, why do I say that? Because as you see Him, and as you identify with Him, He will then reflect Himself in you. Listen to what the Word said in John 14, 21. He said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. He's saying, I will reflect myself to him in the areas in which he identifies with me correctly. Well, watch this now. Watch what I'm about to say. Are you saved? Then you have identified with him in the cross. You've done that well. Many of us only identify with him in the cross. But the word of God said, that He, if we follow His commands, will not only love us, but He will manifest Himself to us. So, is it possible that as you follow the commands, that it is in the commands that you follow, in which He then manifests Himself to you? So if you're following Him to the cross and stopping there, you're being manifested in the freedom from sin. But you're not being manifest in the burial of the flesh. You're not being manifest in the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus or the priesthood. Or Him as Lord. Or Him as our man in the Godhead. He's going to reflect Himself in you as you identify in Him. I'll show you more about that. So what am I saying? If you only direct your attention to the one area, that's the area you're going to find him manifesting. Now the scripture is clear. When it uses the word commands, S on the end of commands, in the plural, there are deeper, greater, and more spiritual, impactful understandings to which commands have been provided from which commands he manifests himself. You see, it's right in front of us, friends. It's possible that we remain in the only command that we understand and think 
that all of the commands, now get what I'm about to say, and because we have believed in one command, we think that all of the other commands naturally fall in place from the acceptance of one command. But we know that can't be so because the disciples and the apostles followed the commands, multiple commands, and were commanded to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. And then to spread the gospel from that endowment of power to the uttermost parts of the world. There are commands, my friend. And we must learn the spiritual impact and importance of following the commands to come into Him. As we're about to see, Jesus did not divulge the identification of the foundation of the church through the lens of just one command, through the lens of just one name. He's about to agree with a revelation that is manifested beyond any of the great men of Scripture and beyond, watch it now, watch it now, the effects of what the Son of Man would do. In reality, he's about to confirm the foundation of the commands and the manifestations to which both he and the Father were in agreement. Let's look. And Simon Peter said unto unto him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this. Jesus called himself the Son of Man. He related to mankind as Jesus. In the Son of Man, he related to mankind as the high priest. Now Peter is calling him Christ and the Son of God. So the ultimate question is, was and always will be, who do you say that he is? Well, pastor, he's a prophet. He's a savior. He's a good man. He was a great teacher. And you know, pastor, he's Jesus. We've been taught he's Jesus. And you know what? Every one of those are true. But just like the people in Jesus' day, they all come short of the full and whole truth concerning Him. He is the Son of Man who died for all mankind. He is the Son of God who is seated at the right hand of glory. He's the prophet, priest, and king who became the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, as witnessed in Luke chapter 4. He is the king who was crowned once in jest. But his second crowning will be the ultimate accomplishment for the plan and purpose of God in his dealings with the devil and mankind. Now, watch this. Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now watch this because we're going to see Peter make some identifications that we need, we must pay very close attention to. Now first he calls him Christ. Now, at this point, everybody says, well, yes, he was the Messiah. And we know that he was the rejected Messiah to Israel. But when Jesus moves on in this scripture, he does not relate what Peter has spoken to him to the messianic prophecy that was given about him to Israel. No, brother. 
because he relates it to the church, not to Israel. Peter called him Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus went on to relate that revelation to the church. To relate that revelation to the... So who's it related to, Brother Mike? Well, it's related to you and me, ladies and gentlemen. That's the beautiful part of Matthew chapter 16. It's related to you and me. 16 and 18 basically are saying the same thing with one additional uh, scripture concerning the agreement and where two or three are gathered together. He's in the midst. He's in the church. How is he in the church, Mike? Well, we've already seen it in this scripture. He's in the church as the Son of Man, Jesus, the High Priest. He's in the church as Christ, the victoriously anointed one who rose from the dead. He is in the church as the Son of God, the man who sits in the Godhead bodily. That's who he is. That's how come Paul would write in Colossians, you are complete. You tell me where Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and the man in the Godhead leaves anything out when it comes to the spiritual impact of those names. Look what John said concerning Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 31. He said, but these are written. Now bear in mind, this was after he had died, been to the tomb, been resurrected, ascended, and exercised the duty of high priest, became Lord, and now he has returned back. John is now writing in John chapter 20, verse 31. He said, but of these are written that ye might believe. Now look who he refers to here. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Wow. And that believing, ye might have life through his name. Well, let's look at that. What did Jesus do? Jesus was the Son of Man who died and was buried. What did Christ do? Christ was the one who resurrected from the dead with the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus, of which John said, if you believe, you'll have life. What did he become? He became the man in the Godhead bodily, seated at the right hand of majesty, who communicates to his people through the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, what a mighty and powerful word from Brother John. Now, why is that important? Because if you identify with him correctly, you can have life through his name. Did you catch that? Look at the end of verse 31. He said that ye, that believing ye might have life through his name. We called him three names right there. All five names show up in Matthew chapter 16. So now, wait a minute. Because if we have to understand, it is imperative we understand something at this point. John just identified him in three names. And said in those three names there's life. Matthew, in Matthew's writing in 16, shows us five of the things that Jesus would do. That would be determined to be the revelation to the church. My friend, he's Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. The Gentiles found a Savior in him. He identified with them as Christ, the Son of God. He was their Savior who would give them life. And John 
and John has identified that. Now, of course, Brother Campbell has just said he is the great I am. He referred to himself as the I am the way, the truth, and the life. He referred to himself as the I am the vine and you are the branches. He referred to himself as the total source of everything that would or could occur. This is why Paul said, you are complete in him. I am that I am. And the glory of God flows out of him. And your ability to grow in the depths of understanding and living by his commandments, which reflects the manifestation of him directly to you, directly to you, all comes by believing on his name. My friends, this thing is big. It's deep. So Peter from the Spirit has identified the victoriously anointed Christ who would relate himself to the church. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 5, that we are not only like him in his death, but we're like him in his resurrection. We're like him as Jesus Christ, Jesus, and we're like him as the victoriously anointed Christ. He came out of hell, victoriously anointed, having the keys of death, hell, and there he led captivity captive, proceeded to... to uh, take them with him into the heavenlies where he produced himself as the high priest who, sat, who offered sacrifice over uh, who offered uh, himself as the high priest over his own sacrifice we've been planted together my friends now watch this he said in verse 5 for if we've been planted together have you been planted together in him or have you only been planted together in the cross have you been planted together and has this planting established you with the likeness of his death and his resurrection? The two names, they bring you to that. They bring you to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This means that we are made like and in the form and in the shape of the one who we followed to his death and subsequently to his resurrection. We are transformed just as he was. Our transformation initially is internal. One day, the internal will manifest into the external, and we will not only see him as he is, but we will have our mortal body fashioned after his glorious body. The point I want you to see from Peter's response is that the Holy Spirit gave Peter insight into a concept that had not occurred yet but was the correct identification of who he was and what he would become. Isn't that beautiful? This statement is about to unfold in front of Peter, James, and John's eyes in Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus is transfigured. But Peter's speaking from the Spirit as he identifies Jesus in Matthew chapter 16. He concludes his divine comment by calling him the Son of the living God. Again, these words were spoken to identify him to the coming church. He's going to be the Son of God who has become the Son of Man and who will be the man in the Godhead bodily. Paul defines thus this force, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. So what we have seen so far in this conversation concerning the name of Jesus is that he's the Son of Man. He's the prophet, high priest, and king. We have seen him as Christ, the victoriously anointed one, 
who is specific to the church. We have seen him as the son of God, who is to be the man that is being returned to the Godhead bodily in the position of which he held from the foundation of the world. These are specific identifications of Jesus that were of vital importance to the remainder of this scripture. Now shortly we're going to read a reference to him as in his lordship. Now this exchange of conversation may be the single greatest revelation that the church has overlooked because we placed everything in the cross. We've also placed everything in the name, just the name of Jesus. But that was not his only identifier. As we will see shortly, these names that are being discussed will cause a dynamic to transpire in the ministry of the apostles that would be due to the transfer of the keys of the kingdom. Well, pastor, you would say everyone knows what those keys are. They're the keys of death and hell. Not so fast, my friend. Jesus said that he has those keys with him. Now watch me now. He told them that he would give them the keys. But in Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, he said, And I have the keys of hell and death. I will give you, according to Matthew 16, the keys of the kingdom. Well, he's already given all of the inclination of what those keys would be. They would be him as the son of man, Jesus and the high priest. They would be him as the Christ, the victoriously anointed one. Him as the son of God. And as we'll see in a minute, they would be him in his complete lordship. These keys that unlock the things that are in the kingdom is what Jesus is promising us. My friend, have you ever considered that when you pray, the Bible says that you have access into the throne room of God boldly? How do you get there? How do you get there? Do you pray like most people and say, Oh God, my God, my Father, thank you, Father, you're wonderful. God, well, Lord God, we, we, Lord, Lord God, thank you, God. Or do you have a plan and a pattern that you've identified from the Word of God that walks you into the throne room of God? How do you get there? By following the access that Jesus took. Jesus accessed heaven from the cross to the tomb to hell and the resurrection. And then he accessed heaven where the Bible said he sprinkled blood on the vessels of ministry. Now, if we're going to find out how to get to heaven, we need to do what Paul said. Well, what Paul say, Pastor? Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul said there's something about the power of his resurrection that I want to know about, that I want to live in, that I want to walk in. Why? Because it was from the power of his resurrection that he made his first ascension. From the power of his resurrection that he sprinkled the blood on the vessels of ministry where he brought us as brethren into the throne room through the holy place as priests pronounced his lordship over us and sat down at the right hand of God as our man in the Godhead there to advocate, mediate, and intercede on our behalf.
You see, my friend, there are keys in this thing. Those keys are a vital revelation of your understanding. Now look what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Wow. What a revelation. What a revelation. The Spirit of God was giving Peter something that the others in the group did not get. They were stuck in their intellectual ideas. They were stuck in their hearing and understanding of what others said about him. And all of the things they said were good. But they were not the true picture of who he was. They were not the true identity of which you and I, as the church, have the ability to walk in the full revelation of who he is. Isn't that wonderful? We can get there through his name. John told us that in John 20, 31. We need to get there through his name. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the high priest. He is our Lord. And he is our God. Our man in the Godhead. Now think about this. His Lord. Paul said that every knee is going to bow. And every tongue confess. He's the man in the Godhead. Who released the Holy Spirit into the earth. For what purpose pastor? So that he could speak through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit could show you and me things to come. So the Holy Spirit could lead us and guide us into truth. Reprove us. Give us peace, joy. Be the spirit of truth that would reside in us. And as the great I am. The Holy Spirit would be. The source. That would bring the resource. Of heaven. To the fingertips of man. But we have to know how to get there. We've lived in frustration in the Christian world because for all too long, my friends, we've struggled with how to get into the throne room of God. We've struggled with that. We never understood what was happening in the tabernacle in the wilderness and we never translated it into our lives, our New Testament covenant. We never translated it. Until we saw Matthew chapter 16. We're going to stop there for tonight. There's more to come. There's a great revelation in this. But I want to close by saying to you. You can stay in the manifestation. Of what you know about him. You can stay right there. You can live. In the manifestation. Of the command. That you have followed. Or you can find him in the very thing that John declared in John 20, 31 in his name. And from that, you can walk into the depths of commands that will allow you to stand in the throne room of God. And while standing in the throne room of God, have grace delivered, grace spoken, grace released into your life so that the promises of God can become yea and amen to you and they will manifest that's what Jesus promised Father I thank you for the word of God 
Bless us. Bless those that listen. We thank you so much for everyone that hears, studies, knows, and loves the Word of God. May your truth be present. Open our hearts and our minds and our eyes until we can see and know what it is that brings your manifestation to us. For all of that, we'll give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'll be back with more on that topic next week. We're running through Matthew chapter 16. I challenge you to get into the book of Colossians. Colossians has got a lot to say about this very topic. Get in and read it. You'll see what Paul has identified in there concerning this man we know as Jesus Christ our High Priest, our Lord, and our God. Well, again, I've given you the addresses to contact me. Please do. Pray for our ministry, and we pray that you will find Jesus Christ as your High Priest, your Lord, and your God, and then you can be absolutely complete in the mighty works associated with His name. God bless you until we speak again.